Hi, and welcome to the official last podcast. My name is Samantha Tams, and along with Estefania Lacayo, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. Our podcast sessions aim to enrich the industry. We sit down with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here, and we hope you enjoy the following conversation. I am recording the introduction to this podcast after an atypical Paris Fashion Week. I wasn't sure of whether I should go given the growing worries around the coronavirus pandemic, and after deliberating with my team whether I should cancel my travels, I decided to take my risks and go in order to support our Latin American designers during a particularly tough time. My partner Stephanie and I decided to do a special podcast on the effects that coronavirus is having on the industry. So I interviewed three women in order to get three different perspectives on the issue. Megan Cope, Director of International Sales for St. John, Amanda Alvarez, Senior Sales Manager for CD Network Showroom, and Gladys Aigaña, Founder and Designer of Athleisure Brand Port de Bra. All three of them represent different backgrounds and provided our listeners with great insights on their experience during Fashion Week and the ways that they're coping with the situation. Their testimonials give rise to many questions and challenges but they also show optimism and hope for the future. We're currently finding ourselves in a situation that is changing by the minute. So please take note that these conversations were recorded several weeks ago. Here's our most recent podcast conversation. We hope you find this content interesting and beneficial. So I'm here today in this beautiful Paris showroom with my good friend Megan Cope, Director of International Sales for St. John, an American luxury brand. She's been with the company for about 19 years, and I met her back in 2009 when I was a buyer for Saks Fifth Avenue, Mexico City, and I used to buy St. John from her. So Megan oversees international sales in retail and wholesale, and she will help us put in perspective the effects that coronavirus is having in the business, given that St. John produces most of their collections in China and a big chunk of your business comes from that region, right? So they have been dealing with this coronavirus crisis way even before this Paris market hysteria. So Megan, thank you so much for your time today. Tell us about St. John and its presence in Asia. And most importantly, how do you see coronavirus will affect business? So we have, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. <laughs> um, we have nine stores in China, retail stores in China, three of which had just opened in the last part of the year. So from September through December, we opened three brand new shops. And then we have four in Hong Kong of direct, directly owned retail stores. So coming out of the protests with Hong Kong, you know, we've been facing you know, lackluster sales there. And just as we get into December, it's feeling like it's about to turn there. Things are getting better. Come January, right before Chinese New Year, you know, we get the hit of the coronavirus um, news. And for, for me, I'm more on the sales side. So I review and see the effects at the retail level on the sales. And then I know a little bit about the production issues that we'll face coming up. But it's, you know, mostly for me and, and my position is really reviewing the sales and how we are affected by it and how that rolled through into the people not being able to travel, shutting down our stores, seeing zero sales in our retail stores in China and Hong Kong for multiple days, months, and continues today. 
And then also how that then affected globally. So then it goes to, you know, then I get the news that hits in Korea where we have seven stores. And then the next, you know, piece just as last week is like rolling into Paris market and then starting to see cancellations for the wholesale world um, and our appointments to sell this new collection. So it's been every day a different scenario. And unfortunately, you know, there's no end in sight at the moment, but from what our China team is telling us is that they remember this. You know, we have a very experienced management team out in um, Shanghai that manages the business for us and that they went through the SARS epidemic in 2003, um, where this coronavirus has gone much more global, um, but they were, they're better equipped now to handle the effects and planning you know, their orders, planning their sales, planning everything that they need to do in order to kind of cost save right now uh, and how long they think this will take based on the experience in the past. So basically you came out of Chinese New Year, which is obviously a very, you know, it's a big pause in terms of production, in terms of everything that happens in, in China. And then coming Chinese New Year, you have this coronavirus starting in the area. Um, how do you, um, in terms of production, your team, like you were saying, the expert team immediately reacted to to finish production, continue production? What season were you in when you heard about the production um, problems that you will be facing? So it was the beginning of our spring season. So we were able to relook at the orders and goods that we had placed for the spring season, but this had already been produced and things. So, but it's, you know, we're lucky enough to have such an established business in the U.S. and that they are able in one way or another, we can absorb, um, you know, additional stock that we wouldn't have then shipped further on to China. And we then looked at our further orders, so our go-forward orders for the next seasons, like pre-fall and even into this fall, and like immediately where can we get out of materials, cut back units so that, you know, whereas we'll be stuck with inventory from spring that we can at least try and get out of manufacturing goods for the next, let's say, season, which is three months. So, um, and we were successful in that because we just were able to react really fast and, and really look at the business um, and this, the plans of what we think we can do and what we need to do. You know, we can't cut everything because we, you know, are confident that it will turn around. Um, and, you know, we think that by June, it should be in a more stable place. So we weren't, we didn't need to cut that much from the pre-fall and into the fall, but definitely had to look at very quickly. And now we're working on different measures with our landlords, you know, reaching out as much as possible to get rent reductions. Um, we are looking at, um, with, um, you know, our small marketing budget, different ways we can, once it settles a little bit, that in the next, you know, two months from now that we can gather, like, marketing money and how do we get back out there and let people know how we are, you know, back and we want people to come in. We right now are doing a lot of our sales in China and Hong Kong on um, like via WeChat. So they do a lot of instant messaging to get the, to get to the VIP customers. They're taking videos. They are doing everything, you know, sending by courier. They even show videos of how, because there was a an idea from the one or two customers thinking like, well, how do I know that your courier is clean? You know, how do I know that all the, that your packaging's done right? So the team made videos to show the customer 
Um, and it's on our WeChat Instagram or our WeChat feed, excuse me, um, to show them that like everybody's covered how they, and they, it's a full detail on how they are like wrapping the packages, how the the man they're giving it to, his car is clean. I mean, it's, it's really detailed. It's quite amazing, you know? And um, so that's how we have been getting some sales now, which I thought was pretty clever on our retail team to, you know, kind of keep at it, not let coronavirus completely take over. Because your retail business in Asia is really, really big, right? So how much of your business internationally, you would say it comes from Asia? Well, Asia is about 15 to 20% of our global business. So it's substantial. So it would have like a very big hit. Oh, so in terms of, of wholesale, now let's move a little bit to wholesale. Your international accounts that you were supposed to um, see here in Paris, um, we were discussing earlier, you either had walkthroughs or you had confirmed appointments that they started to cancel. How was your reaction or how? what are the measures that are you are taking or, and your team to really follow up with those either stores or walkthroughs that you were wanting to, for them to pick up St. John? So we'll have to, we have a couple days open left here at, in Paris where we still are seeing our customers come through and still some walkthroughs. It's been a real mixed bag of, of where people are canceling from by country, by region. But our plan is to get this collection back to California within the next two weeks and work with a model and a photographer, videographer at our headquarters and take some really nice moving images of the best looks and then send those to the customers or create some sort of short video to send you know, there's kind of a two two parts, right? We want the we want the orders that we're missing, but then we also want to keep the momentum of the walkthroughs of potential new clients. So it's got to be, you know, kind of a short video to show this is what you miss, and we can't wait to see you again. And then there's got to be like, here are the best, you know, 25 looks that we really need you to place some orders on that we know you would love. I'm sorry you missed it. So it's kind of a two piece thing, but we plan to do that within the next few weeks. So um, in terms of you and your team getting this entire collection, which would be fall, winter 20, right? You're confident that this like coronavirus hopefully has just, you know, yeah, exactly. Quite yet. I think that, you know, we're going to feel the effects of this market. The next time I, the next collection I sell will be towards the end of June. And yes, I think by the end of June, everyone will be in a much better place. And, you know, that this this is a real, for me, especially in, on the European side, I think in, in China, Asia, it's I'm seeing real effects from it. I think here, um, specifically in Paris, it's a bit more of a panic side because there hasn't been a big influx of cases here. Um, but just in general, when anything like this happens, these global epidemics, people just, you know, need want to be safe and they want to worry about their families and themselves more so than coming to see pretty close, you know? So it's, um, but I think by the time we get back into the next season, I think it had, would have subsided. Yes. The factories where you produce in China, um, are they, like, they're going back to work soon or are they working right now? So because it's like, I'm in the sales side, I don't have like all the specifics on the factory schedules, but I know that they are starting to reopen, but because that's already delayed, uh, because the Chinese government had, you know, made businesses close longer, you know, extended their Chinese New Year closures. Um, so the, the factories are reopening and um, they're just backed up and we're going to have to wait and see the best that, 
you know, the best that they can do to get us our goods. But yes, we expect certain delays on items, but not everything. Do you have like a kind of a backup plan for those items that would be kind of late and then you might run the risk that maybe a retailer might tell you, you know what, I don't want this because it's arriving late and I might have to mark it down, you know, sooner or? So far we haven't had any concerns like that are spoken of, you know, our production team is quite on top of it and organized. And um, to date, we haven't had any scares like that. We have quite big delivery windows and, you know, we've been very reactive to all sides, whether it's on the retail side, like I spoke about, or the production side. So I don't expect any, any crazy, you know, it could be one or two pieces here or there, but I don't expect any huge um, delays once we start shipping the pre-fall in towards the end of April. What would you say, and and for a Latin American designer just specifically, um, what recommendations would you tell them to, you know, prepare for post-market and really kind of getting to the people that they wanted to get? I think that when you reach back out to someone that couldn't make it, I think that moving imagery tells such a grander story than a line sheet or a lookbook. I think that... You know, my advice is to really get the product on a model and some sort of short video or a couple looks, you know, short looks if, or, or feeding. If you have Instagram feeds, you know, getting it onto your Instagram and then guiding your prospect customers to to your Instagram to see it for themselves because um, you want to keep the momentum going. And it's like, so sorry, I missed you. You know, um, you know, I'll be back in June. You know, you want to keep the uh, momentum and the connections going and let people know that you're still, you're still going, you're, you're still trying and you still want to see them. And, um, you know, unfortunately there's, there's just not much you can do when it's something like out of your control and it's really frustrating. So my, you know, my advice is to, Get, get the images of the collection in some sort of moving format so that they can really truly see what they had missed and then continue, you know, following up with the people. I mean, it's like, you know, I never give up. I'm always, always chasing people. So over the past few days that I've been having appointments with a lot of Latin American designers and speaking, obviously, the topic of conversation being coronavirus and how it's going to affect not only market, but production, the production part of it. Um, we were actually talking about how this is a very big opportunity for countries in Latin America to step up and, you know, take over that um, lost business in a way that they lost against China uh, many, many years ago because of how effective they are and the prices and all. Um, how do you see this, you know, like opportunity for Latin America in in servicing this entire problem that we will be facing in terms of China not being able to deliver? Well, I think it's not in terms of how you can step in and service it because it's, you know, it's all by time, right? So you, you can't jump in and service it a season that's about to ship or you're in season. But what I think is a good way of thinking in, in Latin America is that you can, they should be, Latin Amer Americans should be thinking and the country should be thinking about creating manufacturing sites because the 
quality of work that I've seen come out of places like Mexico as above and beyond, you know, anywhere else in the world. I mean, if you train them, you know, if you get the right people to get to get down there and train them, if they're from France or from Italy or from America, um, you know, the quality that can be done is can can raise all the way up to China. I mean, when China first started into the manufacturing world and, you know, it took years for them to get up to the standards that they are today. And, you know, the factories that that I've seen and that I've worked with are, you know, just as good as some of the quali- qualities I've seen out of America or um, France and Italy. Um, so I think that that's, that's a really big opportunity for Latin America is to really get into the manufacturing game. Um, you're going to have to train the people, you know, of the countries, but I think that people want to work and I think people want to take pride in creating something and being, being the best, you know? So I think that that's a way for people to, to see what's happening with coronavirus and how it puts a whole global stop, um, on an industry that, you know, Mexico should be or any country in Latin America should be looking at very insightfully and being like, wait a minute, let me, let me see if I can get in this because who knows what can happen, you know, at any moment. And um, I think people would really welcome, you know, made in Latin America. So I think that that's something that people should be looking at manufacturing and setting up manufacturing sites. Well, thank you so much for having us here and I am so so happy to see you after many years and um, hopefully business picks up in this next two days that you have as many appointments as you, you were planning and that once you send the information to your clients and everybody you know gets back on track um, that you will be able to get the plans that you obviously have um, every time you go to market. So thank you so much for your time and we'll see you soon. So that was Megan Cope, Director of International Sales for St. John. Up next, I interviewed Amanda Arvarez, Senior Account Manager at CD Network, a premier multi-brand showroom for luxury wholesale in the North American market. Originally from Ciudad Juarez, Amanda transitioned to the fashion industry eight years ago, and she has worked closely with designer and advanced contemporary brands, including Neely Lowden, Nina Ricci, and Paris, Texas. Amanda will talk about her experience as a showroom and the creative ways they have tackled deployment cancellations. So I'm here in Paris with Amanda Alvarez, Senior Sales Manager for CD Network. Um, And we are, the topic of conversation, all the three days that I've been here, it's about coronavirus. And it's really a topic that it's not only affecting market, it's affecting sales and it's affecting production. But with Amanda, we're literally talking about the aspect of brands coming to Paris. They come and they show in a showroom. You've been having a lot of cancellations. What is your take on this, the impact or the effects of either speculation or what's really happening and how is it affecting business? So it's a season like nobody's ever seen. My boss was saying that he hasn't seen, you know, something as crazy or as, you know, kind of monumental since 9-11. So, you know, most of our majors canceled, which means that Neiman Marcus, Bergdorf Goodman, Nordstrom, um, 
forward, you know, everybody sacks, everybody canceled. The people who were here in Milan had to cut their trips short. They left early, so they had to condense their appointments and really prioritize what they could see. And then the people who hadn't left New York just completely canceled and it was all very last minute. And it was a lot because of speculation or hysteria because of, you know, what's happening in the press. And so people didn't want to take the risks of having all of their employees or a lot of their employees, their buying teams come all the way here and maybe not be able to come back or have to be quarantined. So there were, they've been many, many cancellations starting since, you know, what happened in Milan on Sunday. So it's, we've been really scrambling, trying to find ways, innovative ways to be able to sell the collections to everybody, whether it be, you know, first sending line sheets, but making sure we have FaceTime appointments, sending good images, videos, you know, some people are even taking their collections to New York. Um, our collections are, you know, European based. So many of them who we didn't sell in New York, who we only sell in Paris, they, you know, can't really, they have one sample set. So um, we've been really trying to make it work from here. So it's been, it's really affecting business. I mean, obviously we all have projections that we need to hit and we, you know, so we have to find a way to make it work and make sure our clients are able to buy without actually seeing the product. So it's been pretty crazy. So you work with pretty established brands like Paris Texas and Bautier. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, and especially like I've been touring around Paris, trying to feature Latin American designers, um, that it's a very, you know, it's, it's, for most of them, it's the first time that they come to Paris and they show. And for most of them, it's a really big expense to come here to be seen, just to be seen, like we were discussing earlier, it's just a walkthrough maybe the first time. They're not expecting any buys. So making that expense and coming here to Paris and then having all these cancellations for them, it's been like really, really hard, not only on the business side of it, but I also think that it's the self-esteem yes. and the expectations, you know, you're super excited to be seen in Paris, you know, the glamour of showing in Paris Fashion Week for a Latin American designer. What do you think that an emerging Latin American brand should approach different, you know, buyers or buying offices here in Europe that they were expecting to see? Well, I think that a good idea might be to, um, you know, use your Instagram account, share it with buyers, maybe even make a private one that's just for buyers where you have videos of what you have here on models, maybe in the street, um, you know, something that's kind of out of the box where you're not sending just the same old line sheet, you know, something that distinguishes you and say, you know, I was really hoping to see you. Um, here's, you know, our Instagram link to all of the things that you missed in Paris and then just something really focused that might be a way to do it. I mean, I've heard that a few brands have been doing that. So that might be a good way to get somebody's attention when they weren't, you know, when maybe if you're not well established, they'll maybe flip through the line sheet and then, you know, concentrate on brands that they have to buy or they have budgets for. So I would think do that. Or maybe even if you, I know it's so expensive, but if you have a way to, you know, go to New York and a lot of people are showing in New York next week and the week after. So I know it's a much more, you know, it's another expense, but it might be a way to, you know, be able to show them if you even make an appointment to go see them desk side. So that might be a way. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, I mean, We were talking earlier with a lot of brands. Um, being in Paris consistently is something that a buyer appreciates because, again, they see consistency from a brand, seriousness in, in terms of being seen here. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend, I mean, we don't know how and how long this is going to 
be or take and how is it going to affect business but do you recommend for these brands to come next season or maybe in in the middle of the two seasons to come back to Paris because obviously Paris it's kind of different for um the nationalities of buyers that come here a lot of mm -hmm. buyers from asia a lot it's of buyers yeah it's more international the middle east is more present here mm -hmm. rather than in new york and that is what i think that the latin american emerging creative is looking for um would you recommend for them to come anytime soon to paris again i mean i would think if things improve and things are back, i know i don't know if ever things are ever going to be back to normal but if things improve i mean i would say to come in june even though it's not a fashion week like it would be in end of september october a lot of you know most of the buyers are here because it is pre-spring which is a very long season which is a season that a lot of people invest in And um, they have less shows to go to, so they're more flexible on being able to do walkthroughs and being able to see people. Um, and it's also, you know, people are in a better mood because it's the summer. And you also have men's buyers here. So, you know, maybe some of the collections have both men's and women's. There's also men's buyers here during that time. So it is a good time when people's schedules aren't so packed. So if things are improving and there's no travel issues, I think they should. If, you know, obviously I know it's a lot to spend, but... If possible, I think they should. And we were also talking um, about not only market, but sales. Like a big part of, obviously, a lot of brands showing here. Um, Asia is a very big market. Um, Italy, it's a very big source of either production or market as well. In sales, um, how do you see that this is going to impact the business? So I was like I was telling you earlier, our, we are mostly specialized in North America, but, you know, the brands that we work with obviously have an international following and they've been telling us, you know, they are very worried about not being able to see any of their Asian partners. And also, you know, Italian, you know, a lot of Italian stores are in, you know, little towns all over the place and their business adds up, they're loyal clients. So it definitely, if they're not able to send images and assets that will help these people buy and make their, you know, make their budgets, then it will definitely affect it. I do think that for more well-established brands, obviously, when you have an open to buy and you have a selling, you know, history, people will make the effort to do it. But obviously, if you're struggling a little bit or things aren't perfect, then it might be difficult. So I definitely think it will impact sales. I don't know how much, but, you know, it obviously can't be, it's not the same as seeing the product. Yes, of course. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're all running around Paris. We're super busy and I really appreciate your time. Um, and thank you so much for the insight. And I think that if you could give a, one last advice for a Latin American designer showing in Paris, what would it be? I mean, I would just say stick to it. You know, um, things aren't don't move as quickly as you think they do. Like you said before, people walk through a million times before they are convinced that they want to buy something. Um, at the beginning, you know, you will have to go through a lot of walkthroughs, a lot of people saying that they'll continue to watch the brand. But that's not a bad thing because they'll give you great advice. They'll help you grow. Um, and obviously it is a lot. It's a big investment at the beginning, but it does pay off when you hear a lot of feedback from different buyers around the world. So I would say don't get disappointed if, you know, you've been showing for a while and you're, you're, you're not where you thought you were going to be. It's, it's, it's part of the business.
Well, thank you so much, Amanda. You're welcome. So that was Amanda Alvarez, Senior Account Manager at CD Network. And to wrap up, I interviewed Clarissa Egaña, founder and designer of athleisure brand Port de Bra. We met Clarissa during her very first edition of Laughs. Every cool girl was wearing her designs during the complimentary yoga classes we offered. She applied to her showroom for Laughs 2019 in Cartagena, where she had outstanding sales both in wholesale and retail. This year, we're hoping she applies to the pitch to laughs. Clary, as we all call her, decided to show in Paris for the first time and confronted over 20 appointment cancellations with optimism and as an opportunity for growth. So I'm here today with Clarissa Egaña from Port de Bras. Clarissa is a Venezuelan designer. She is showing in Paris for the first time. Her brand focuses in athleisure, but she has recently incorporated ready-to-wear into her collection. So for all of our listeners that don't know about Port de Bras, can you tell us a little bit about your brand? Thank you, Sammy. Um, okay, so Port de Bras is, yes, an athleisure brand um, originally. Um, the name comes from the movement of the arms in ballet, so it's ballet-inspired and thinking that ballet is a timeless classical movement, very feminine. So that's basically what we tried to do at the beginning, um, bring women together into a movement of sustainability, actually. So uh, all of our fabrics are biodegradable. Our manufacturing is very ethical, social responsible. And we're actually making a big change in people's lives. And that makes it very special and has a lot of soul. So um, we incorporated ready to wear because people wanted more from us. Like it wasn't enough that we would sell leggings and uh, sports bras or little jackets. People wanted more and more. So we incorporated a blazer. Then now it's a coat and a pant. And it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger because the public, the clients are asking for more. They understand the versatility of the design and the, the softness of the fabric and knowing it's good for your skin, that you're not actually taking in any toxins or you're not uh, polluting. Uh, it makes people feel better about themselves and, their, and the clothes that they're wearing. So that's how we came up with this ready-to-wear collection and launching it for the first time here in Paris. Um, quite a challenge because we have never done something like fall winter before it's usually very resort um, but yeah we worked so hard and sleepless nights and now we're here and I'm actually very happy to be here right now so you um, decide to come to Paris you um, rent a suite in the Plaza Athenee Um, all everything's perfect until you come here to Paris and you find out about this coronavirus panicking and creating this psychosis, which leads to cancellations from buyers or walkthroughs. Um, how do you started to manage all that crisis? At the beginning, to me, it was I wasn't considering canceling at all. So we moved every aspect that we could so we could come. And up until Probably yesterday, I was never thinking of canceling. But then the news here made it really stressful for us. Like we saw all the news and the people getting infected. And obviously what happened in Milan really um, affected everybody's morality. So um, we did think about canceling. And 
it was nice because all my Venezuelan designer friends, they invited us for a drink. They knew I was like very bummed with the whole thing. All my other partners in the suite canceled as well. So I was like the only brand uh, assuming the whole cost. And the hotel was nice enough to tell us that they would accept a cancellation without um, any fees. I just didn't know what to do. So we went out for drinks and everybody's like, Larissa, go do it. Your collection's amazing. People need to see it. It doesn't matter whether, I mean, all the buyers did, they did actually cancel. And most of our like influencers and, and editors and people who were coming, um, they didn't make it. So we're, we're here. Um, I can't believe we actually decided to stay and to rent the suite and actually sleep here so we could like absorb the cost a little bit. And, and we, you know, took it around for uh for instance right now we just made some retail sales just to try to like um recuperate some of the investment and it's working out and it's working out nice and we're here we're together we're talking that to me is a big thing that's going on and we've had a lot of visits so in the end I would say it's been positive all around to be here and to not cancel I think it would affect even more the fashion industry that if the brands also canceled and 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 we didn't um, do our fashion week the way we're supposed to because it's it's going to get worse. I mean, the panicking is going to get worse and people look at fashion for reference in every way. So if we cancel our thing, it's like the whole world's going to be super sad and bummed and thinking that this is a bigger crisis than what we actually think it is. So how many appointments did you had when you were like planning this entire trip or how many cancellations you end up having? I would say cancellations, more than 20. That's um, that's what I would say. And like important meetings that we had, we were going to meet buyers for the first time. We've been talking to them for months and they've been asking for samples. And then they were like excited to see the new collection because they saw a little teaser. So our expectations here were big. What, where um, international buyers, what, what countries were? Mostly from here. Um, we had from Spain, um, the most important specialty store. One of them was Corte Inglés, and we had Harrods from London. Um, we had some people from Milano that do buying for other specialty stores. And we did have some from the United States as well, like Netta Perte also canceled. Like, we had important buyers canceling on us. Yes, because they were um, either shortening their trips or they were um, going back with this, like, crisis that they thought that um, either they were going to get in quarantine or something. But at the end of the day, when they shortened their trips, they were only focusing on brands that they already bought from rather than, you know, this, yeah, discovering new brands. But um, did you get to, to have any like, you know, magazines or PR companies coming by? Um, actually, we did. Um, I don't think it's the same as it would have been. But again, I feel like when you risk something or when you're brave, like we just did, there's always uh, something out of it. There's always going to be a prize after being brave and, and doing what people are not supposed to be doing. Um, that makes you different. That makes you stand out. And uh, again, I feel like it's the morality that we're supporting at this point. Um, to the people that surround us, that follow us, if I had canceled, I, I don't know how they would have taken it because they're routing for us or, you know, supporting us so many ways, Latin American Venezuela, for a, a brand like ours to be in Paris, big deal. So I know 
that if we had canceled, it would have been a lot worse than coming here and taking the risk. And again, I'm happy to be here. Like I, I feel like it's been successful after all. So I'm happy. So um, we were talking earlier with Blue that yesterday you were at a show. Was it Dior? Elisab. So you were sitting in the front row for Elisab's show. And then all of a sudden this woman stops you and you were photographed like is that the kind of like star that suddenly sets upon you once you take that decision that's what you're talking about completely um i'm like maybe if all the huge models and influencers had been there maybe i wouldn't be photographed that much or maybe i wouldn't have been sitting in the front row or maybe who knows like maybe Things have been beautiful for me here. Um, I feel like we stand out. Our designs are, um, are standing out. And our story. Like when they hear the story, where we come from, uh, what we do, what we care for, they can tell that there's a lot of soul in what we're doing. And um, yeah, I feel like there's us. It, it just happened downstairs. And Tell the, us about it. Uh, this editor from Condé Nast uh, in London, she's like stopping me. She's like, what are you wearing? Who are you? I'm in love with what you're wearing. And she comes up to the suite and she's like, I'm taking two of each. Like she's going crazy over the clothes. Um, and we just, as I said, I mean, we just paid for the whole investment because somebody, somebody loved what I was wearing downstairs and they had the opportunity to buy anything they wanted and they did. And um, so, yeah, the, the business was successful. And then the PR couldn't be better. And the story to tell and being here and, and talking to you about it, 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 everything's an opportunity. I mean, when there's things going wrong if you think that things are going the wrong way just change perspective change the attitude feel positive and feel like there's always uh, an opportunity where things look bad there's always an opportunity to rise I think that's very important because obviously I'm making such a big investment as an emerging Latin American designer coming to Paris um, you get super bummed when you when you hear all these cancellations and it's something that you can definitely not control. But the way you're seeing it and the way that you're approaching the situation is definitely, and not everybody has that same feeling. I have to say that I've been meeting with a lot of brands all throughout these three days in Paris and not everyone is that optimistic as you are right now and, and you know, looking it at a different angle. So I, I think that that's key you know, in, in, in handling situations like this that kind of gets you through the through the process. And I really like that you are um, feeling happy about everything and that's why good things happen. I want to say that, um, you know, that the way that we think, you would kind of like decrease the, the situation. So it's really nice that you're thinking about, you know, positive action rather than... Attracting the good. Yeah, you attract the good. When when you feel good and you're positive and optimistic, as you said, I think that good things happen and they feel miraculous. Like sometimes it's just God sent, but you have to trust and you have to have faith and you have to be positive at all times. And you're staying here one more day? Yes. And what, who are you seeing tomorrow? Um, we're taking visits from, I hope, um, Carla Martinez from Vogue. She was leaving tomorrow. She was hoping to make it before she leaves. And we do have some buyers that are coming downstairs um, for, to Safia with Rosana, uh, one of our sales representatives. So she's bringing up a lot of people. She told me that she's getting a few new appointments here. So, And we're expecting someone from Bon Marche, which is great because it's local. 
and um, we've been also exchanging back and forth um, some some uh, samples. So I hope that they can make it tomorrow. Amazing. Well, we wish you the best of luck. And, you know, when people like you that really do things in a very, you know, optimistic way, working so hard and being such a nice person to everyone and so grateful for whatever situation presents um, to you. I think it's really, really important. So we wish you the best. You know, you, we love you and we um, hope to to for you to have lots of success during this season. Um, do you plan to show in the, in the near future here in Paris or... For sure. I mean, my plans for this year are Paris, uh, probably New York, and definitely laughs in Cartagena. Because I have to say, Sammy, and I told you this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm so grateful for you and Estefania and everything that you're doing. And I say this from the heart, because you have built a community of people that have been looked, uh, they, they haven't been taken into it's that serious in the in the industry of, of fashion and what's going on in Latin America it's so beautiful and it's so life-changing and um, I can speak for my country for for Venezuela every person that we give a job to obviously they're super well paid and they're super very taken into consideration but they tell us that their lives changed but not only their lives but their family members lives so you're not changing one person's life you're changing a whole family so, and not only economically, but you're changing the way they're thinking, what they're after, how they understand that work and, and hard work pays off and having some of that pride on their job and, va and those values that are lost, at least in my country. So I'm very grateful because all that that you're giving us, all that exposure you're giving us, all that network you're building for us, everything that you're doing is making us sell more clothes, give jobs to more people and give more bonuses to people and more indirect jobs as well. Everything is changing. The vibe is changing. And I personally have to say that thanks to you, my business has changed a lot since I was in LAFS. It's changed a lot. We've gained a lot of respect. You brought Carolina Herrera to my showroom. You brought her to me, you and Estefania, and I probably cried for like, a whole day because I was so grateful and I was so humbled by what you guys did uninterestedly like you never ask anything in return you guys just give and give and give and give and I would love to support you every single time whatever you guys are going to do I'm always going to be there supporting you and uh, admiring you she's actually making me cry so I need to cut this interview so thank you so much um, well we love you too and we will support you and that's why we're here we're actually we wanted to give a voice to the Latin American designers like you that um, are still here that didn't cancel that um, you know they're expecting buyers and walkthroughs and everything and the least that we can do is really you know, coming here, feature you guys, your effort, your collections, and hopefully with the community that we have created, we can, you know, promote in our social media or whatever channels that we might create in the future that um, brands like you, such talented brands like you and people like you um, exist in Latin America and they have an amazing future um, for you and your brand. So we're very happy to be here too. And stand by your side and, you know, keep putting Latin America in the best possible way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you for joining us. 
Laughs will keep working hard to be of service in these difficult times. We are proud to be part of this amazing and united community. So let's stay together and let's support each other. But most importantly, let's stay healthy. Thank you and we'll see you soon.